Good morning. It's time for Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Holcraft. Awaken airs the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with the executive director of Real Presence Radio, Mark Holcraft, and his brother, Dr. Joe Holcraft, professor and director of the High Calling Program at the Avila Institute. Together with a mix of national and local personalities, connecting examples in church history, contemporary relevance, and lively witness of the saints, Mark and Joe will share how the Holy Spirit is working to awaken in all of us a deeper sense of what we are made for, a life in Christ. Good morning. Welcome to Awaken on Real Presence Radio. I am one of your hosts, Mark Holcraft. I'm joining us from Sioux Falls, South Dakota today. But Joe, you're still in Ohio, right? I am. Good to be with you, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Good to be with you, too. Uh, I, I actually enjoy um, when there's times when we've done this show and I've been on the road, um, especially I say on the road, just spread throughout the network. Um, it's just a great reminder for me uh, that not, not only that Awaken is network-wide, um, but I really enjoy when I get to the different uh, sites, if I'm meeting with people. I just The nature of radio, you don't often see the people that you get to be talking to and that, that support us or that encourage us. Um, sure. So when I can and face-to-face, it's a blessing. Sure. Uh, well, Joe, before we d- dive into this morning's topic, um, let's begin with uh, opening prayer, and we'll, and we'll go in. Of course, of course. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the gift of the beautiful weather. Uh, Even if it is cold, the gift that you bring, you you provide for all of our needs, our spiritual needs, our material needs. Lord, we ask that you would truly enlighten us with your Holy Spirit, grace and gift us with the gift of understanding, understanding of your Holy Word in Scripture, Understanding of how you pass on the great lessons of faith through the saints. How your church continues on through ages and eras. And Mother Mary, we ask for your intercession. Please guide us. Bless Joe and I. Bless all of our listeners this morning. Open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to your truth and beauty. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Joe, it's uh, great to be with you. As you're saying, I'm, uh, as we're preparing for this morning's topic, I, I'm excited. You know, if, we, if you give to this morning a, a title, it's, you shall know them by their fruits. Uh, that's the title I'm giving it anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You should know them by the fruits, which picks us up from Matthew chapter 7. Uh, and so, Joe, I think what I'd like to do, actually, um, there's there's so much to lean into this morning. I just want to, let's open up with the scripture. You know, the, the scripture that we're hide, highlighting, if you will, it's really from chapter 7, verses 13 to 20. You know, and if you've been listening to Awaken, uh, in the last few months, you know that we're highlighting uh, really the questions that surround Jesus. You know, as a, if this is your first time listening to Awaken, what do we mean by that? In the Scripture, Jesus asks 307 questions. He has asked 183 questions, but he only answers three questions. 
So Joe and I, <clears throat> we're taking a look into these questions that Jesus is asking in particular. So we're going to pick up Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to start with verse 13. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And those who enter through it are many. How narrow the gate and constricted the road that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but underneath are ravenous wolves. By their fruits you will know them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Just so, every good tree bears good fruit and a rotten tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a rotten tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So by their fruits you will know them. That's verses 13 to 20, Joe. The, the, of course, the, the question there that's right in the, in the middle of it all, um, by their fruits you will know them. But it's an odd question, Joe. He says, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Yeah, and as we've discussed, Mark, in past programs, to get at what the question is all about, you have to go to its preceding verses. And, and might I say something here before we jump into this this narrative? I was in a conversation just yesterday, and, and Mark, actually, after um, I hung up the phone with you, where someone had asked me about a particular verse. This was this was about a verse in First um, Timothy. And he was troubled by the verse, and it's actually a verse we talked about on air before because it's First Timothy two five, and you know the one mediation of Jesus Christ, and you know. So he was asking me about this verse, and he was troubled by it because it would suggest we don't need the intercession of the saints. Well, as we've discussed on this program, if you look at the preceding four verses, well, there you have it. It's to understand the preceding four verses to best understand, you know, First Timothy two five and what Paul is saying to Timothy. Why do I bring that up? Mark, no doubt we have this tendency inside and outside the Catholic Church to isolate texts and try to understand what our Lord is saying or what St. Paul is saying or what St. James or St. Peter is saying, right? It is so important that we look at the texts and we consider the surrounding context. And here, in, in this case, Mark, the verses you read, we're just not talking about, say, verses, what, 13, 14, and 15. Yes, we'll talk about that, but I would even suggest the, the much wider context of the Gospel of Matthew chapters 5 and 6, because the Gospel of Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 is what we've come to know as the Sermon on the Mount, right? right? Here, right. Uh, Jesus is really landing this sermon. Um, in many ways, he has finished the main body of his sermon. And in these verses, he begins to exhort his listeners to consider carefully the choices before them and the consequences of these choices, right? This is what these verses are about. This narrative is about, if you will. And I don't know about you, Mark, but there are, there are very, uh, very few verses that are as sobering as these. Yeah. Right? I mean, what did you read? How narrow the great and constricted the road that leads to life. And those who find it are many? No, few. Huh? Yeah. Few. So here, our Lord is urging his disciples, and dare I say us, right, of course, to be among the few who squeeze through 
the narrow gate that leads to eternal life. No doubt, Jesus is telling us that that determination and acceptance of life's difficulties are what mark but necessary to reach this end. For the entryway is tight, and he makes this clear. And so what does that mean? A concerted effort is required because the road itself is constricted constricted and and just for some literal analysis or just to get a historical sense here mark when you talk about the narrow gate and and, and the shepherd and the sheepfold what's going on here well right a, a, a sheep would go through the gate one by one and this was necessary because uh, the shepherd needed to make sure that other sheepfold um, didn't intermix intermix with with his sheepfold right so they would go through the narrow gate one by one, and therefore it was constricted because he needed to make sure that those sheep who were going through the gate belonged to him. And now, it is, again, taking a step back from that more historical uh, caveat, uh, when you look at this text, there really is the need then to what, Mark, in light of this constricted gate and how our Lord is challenging us to sustain a kind of moral focus lest we veer off the course by making choices that lead in the other direction. It's interesting, the word repentance, as I use the word direction, the word repentance in the gospel is is to change one's direction, to have a change of heart, uh, to be contrite for sin and then resolve to change. The word word intentional means to, to, to move in a particular direction, to it, it quite literally, the word intentional comes to Latin intendere. It, it means to stretch oneself, and, and there's even a sense of with purpose and desire. So you're you're stretching oneself, and this no doubt is is what our Lord is calling for. That being said, opposite the narrow way is what, but a broad and comfortable road that brings travelers through a wide and spacious gate. Our Lord wants us to to kind of, he's encouraging us to play with this imagery in our mind. And what does it mean in our moral decision making? With respect to the wide and spacious gate, Mark, we we could say that here the movement is easy. And even heavy volumes of traffic can drift along without a problem. And without even knowing it, right? Without even knowing it. That's 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 part of the potential deception, yeah. Yes, but there's a toll. And, and what is the toll exacted? Well, <laughs> destruction. And Jesus, what does he say? He sees many, many sweeping along in this direction. And in the end, Mark, he's warning us against the currents of, of a sinful and selfish world that would carry us, carry us away from the kingdom that our Lord is preparing, that he is preparing. Um, if... If destruction is the ultimate peril that Christians must avoid, then deception is we mu- is what we must be careful of, right? Because as we've noted before, Satan is the father of all lies. And so he is in the business of plagiarizing truth. Um, and to plagiarize is to deceive. And to deceive is a path towards what but destruction. Uh, and so and Jesus thus puts us on guard against who in verse 15, but the false prophets, because the false prophets steer us away from 
ultimately that life that we're speaking to. You know, this morning, Mark, when I was reflecting upon today's subject matter, I came across, oh, let's see here, it's Romans 16. And if you wanted to know what a false prophet is, read Romans 16, verse 17 and following. And and Mark, um, please allow me just uh, 20 more seconds to read these, yeah, yeah, these verses good. because they're, they're so um, powerful. And, and I was made to reflect upon these this morning. This is Romans 16, verse 17. If you wanted to get a sense of what a false prophet is, this is St. Paul writing to, to Timothy, uh, or rather to Rome. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Right? So uh, that is at least one character of, of a false prophet. Certainly, false prophets might speak uh, of... of knowing doctrine, but ultimately, Mark, if this doctrine is not caught up in the revelation of Jesus Christ and, and does not come from the deposit of faith and and the magisterium of the church, then we know it to be, right, um, false. So, anyhow, our Lord gives us uh, something to reflect with this morning. And for all of our listeners out there, something to ponder and, and to muse over, the importance of how we, we think about the wide versus narrow, and uh, also uh, the importance of being on guard. What does Peter say? Stay sober and alert for Satan is prowling like a roaring lion. <laughs> all of this is is very important to reflect with. Well, and it's all it's all over Scripture, Joe. And, you know, just the the cautions and Jesus reminding us. Um, and really, I think what's what's <laughs> I'm about to say what's at the heart of it. But really, it's it's the sheep to know the shepherd. The sheep to know the good shepherd. And that's, I say the good shepherd because that's the image that comes up. When we read scripture and we read of sheep and Jesus refers to uh, sheep, the image that draws up uh, throughout the ages is Jesus as the good shepherd. And so we see, you know, I love what you did as far as outlining some more of the literal sense and that historical context of, okay, uh, with a shepherd, when the sheep is coming through, it's a narrow gate. There's only room for one to go through. So they could see that no, nothing, no other sheep is intermixing with his flock. And yet, the broader picture, not the broader gate, but the broader picture is that uh, Jesus will leave the 99 to go save the one that goes lost. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. what, what moves this whole, what moves, you know, we start to see a certain sense. And you, you referred to it earlier, Joe, the moral law. is, Of course, what moves this is love. You know, and so it's no, no surprise one of the titles given to Satan, or the evil one, you know, the, uh, Lucifer, is the great deceiver. Um, mm-hmm. And, and it's, not, it's not to give him more credit per se, but the, the saints throughout the ages often speak of uh, aspects of he is the great deceiver. They took these qualities of Satan that we're not going to outsmart him. He's older than we are, you know, and I, I think that's worth acknowledging, Joe, one, because it can so quickly turn into a prideful thing for those of us who take, you know, uh, pun the, <laughs> uh, excuse the pun, but 
who take pride in their ability to discern and the, the discernment of spirits that Scripture also speaks of, and I'm sure we'll hit on at another uh, another time, another one of the programs. Oh, sure. But And we actually have talked about it a little bit in regards to prayer. But that the great deceiver is ancient, and he is far more wily in his ways over time that for us, it's just and for this for the sheep, and if we can include ourselves amongst that number of the sheep that are going through the narrow gate, part of what makes that number so small, right, so few, is um, not everyone is so willing to stay so close uh, to Jesus. A lot of times, and our pride steps in the way, you know, and mm-hmm. the great deceiver, you know, will deceive us into thinking before we know it, instead of how how close we are to Jesus. Um, well, wow, that was pretty smart of me. Man, I'm pretty good at that. And we slowly remove ourselves from that close connection to Jesus, where he's our lifeline. But before we know, we're starting to consider ourselves as, man, I'm pretty wise. I got this down. Mm-hmm. And how, how slyly we remove ourselves from that an initial closeness with our Lord. You know, that, that humility. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. It's not to go too, I, I'm going one direction here, but just the image of the good shepherd and what moves his love is really what I want to draw back to there. Um, but Joe, let's, let's discuss um, in, in the image of the wolf and his ravenous, because that's strong language too. You were talking about strong language earlier. Uh, yeah. Th- there's, that's, as I was, I was praying on that some, and frankly, for myself, what I found is um, you get used to reading certain scripture passages. And you, mm. you know, and I think one of the beauties of you and I digging into these scriptures of Jesus' question, it's really causing me to pause. It's causing me to pause and take a look. So I know we need to take a break here pretty soon. But that potent line Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but underneath are ravenous wolves. Uh, you, and my mind actually went to when you were talking about you described what a ravenous wolf can look like uh, from Romans. My mind went to you know probably no surprise Lord of the Rings, um, but they're talking about you know uh, Bilbo is just introduced to uh, Strider, right? Which we know oh, eventually, yeah. and uh, they're discussing with the hobbits. I feel like he you know what, we don't know if he's a bad guy. In uh, Frodo, not Bilbo, Frodo offers a great line. Frodo, I, f- yeah. I feel like he would look cleaner, but feel fouler. Yeah. And I thought that was yeah. a great line, great insight. And that's a little bit what we're talking about this morning as well. Yeah, well, I would, uh, you know, Romans probably points as much to sheep's clothing than, than the ravenous wolf. Uh, maybe, Mark, after the break, we could talk about it because I... I when you were talking about Satan, there's an important point to be had, and I know we are nearing the break, and it's this. Satan has supreme intellect, okay? Supreme intellect. Uh, you, you can take a thousand of the brightest intellects in the world, and, and it doesn't match Satan's supreme right. intellect. But what, what he doesn't have is humility, which means he doesn't have wisdom, right? Because he, he has no knees to bend on. The most ancient sin is pride. And we all fall in that most ancient sin. The way we counter that is to go on bended knee, because this is not the place or domain of Satan. 
So as you talk about the love of Jesus and imitating the love of Jesus and what it means to be a great disciple, truly and definitively great, because this is what Jesus qualifies as great, to be humble, we must go on bended knee. And so, um, and certainly to go on bended knee, to, to assume that disposition of humility, to be uh, the enawim of God, the poor of God, yeah. um, is to then best understand what our Lord is, is saying in, in that verse with respect to Satan, you know, sheep's clothing, the ravenous wolves that we're going to talk about here in a bit. Um, the virtue of humility is the fountainhead of all virtues. Uh, because it gives way, really, Mark, to, to the truth of just not who we are, but also um, there's a way in which it discloses to the truth of everything around us. This is why we speak of humility and the virtue of truthfulness as um, intertwined and the most practical of all virtues. Um, if we haven't touched upon it before, let it be understood this morning that, yes, truthfulness and just identifying a thing for what it is is the single most important practical virtue when it is rooted in humility, because humility itself is what allows us to see truth for what it is. Joe, we, you're right. We've got to take a break. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming back on the other side of this break. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Awaken with Dr. Joe and Mark Holcraft, and we're talking about how you shall know them by their fruits. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more after this short coffee break. You're listening to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com slash contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. One of the gentlemen who works with the high school students uh, came to the faith through the radio station. Oh, he uh, awesome. uh, he kind of was was he he said more or less he was an atheist, didn't have any working faith at all, and he started listening to the radio station just out of curiosity at first. But then he found the answers compelling. You know, he had this impression that religion really didn't have the answer to these meaningful questions. And he would flip to the radio station and he would continue listening because he was intrigued by the answers. And he would listen more and more. And eventually, after several months, he said to himself, I don't have any more hang-ups. I don't have any more objection. I don't have a coherent reason at why I'm not Catholic. Wow. But just like you said, when you're in your home, you can turn on the radio and get those answers that you're thirsting for. And he did. And it started with Real Presence Radio. Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. Welcome back to Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Now back to more lively, faith-filled conversation with Mark and Dr. Joe Holcraft. So you're listening to Awaken. This is Mark Holcraft. And we're talking about you shall know them by their fruits, taken from Matthew chapter 7. We've been in chapter 7 actually for a few shows now, Joe. But coming back to chapter 7, verses 13 to 20, and just to pick up a little bit where we left off before the break in regards to the image of ravenous wolves, Joe. I know there was more you wanted to say there with that. Yeah, just not with the ravenous wolves, but also the sheep's clothing, Mark. Anytime our Lord uh, uses this kind of imagery, whether it be sheep's clothing or ravenous wolves or even the thorn bushes and thistles we're going to talk about, we should really hit the pause button and and think about what our Lord is after. (laughs) The Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, the creator of the universe is using (laughs) aspects of what he created to teach. And he does this to evangelize our uh, imagination, to He uses images, right, images inside the word imagination. He uses images to kind of get at a particular teaching. So no doubt in this verse, he wants us to understand that, you know, wolves disguise themselves as sheep in order to pass as one of the group, right? If, if, you know, the the Lord as the shepherd will be able to detect that, but we don't always detect that type uh, type of thing. So we have to pay close attention. Um, but the specific reference to the clothing of sheep, Mark, I, I think is interesting because it could very well refer to, we could uh, say, the softness, uh, warmth, and even appeal of wool, which is another way of evoking, Mark, we are talking about the wider uh, gate, the, the, the easy broadness of yeah. the way that leads to, as our Lord describes it, perdition, hmm? You know, wolves come to sheep dressed as a sheep in order to appeal to everything in a sheep's nature. And of course, when you talk when you're talking about a sheep's nature, you're Mark, you're talking about a fickle nature, right? Right, right. <laughs> and what does this cause? But this causes ruin um, if it were not for the presence of of the shepherd, of course. So wolves want the sheep to follow their. Uh, let's be plain about it. If we're going to say fickle, dumb instincts that push yeah. us uh, and push you to wander off into the wider spaces and, and, and go astray. And if there was a, a camera on me right now, you'd see my arm moving <laughs> in these wide spaces. Right, right. right. So, uh, and of course, if it's in the wide space and if it's if it's gone astray, then it's far from the shepherd. Mark, you talked about. No, our Lord going after the one after the one that is lost. He, he's going after the one that is lost in you know in the desert in this broad, very wide way. Um, and, and in the light of that, we could say really there is a tight linkage between the wideness of the easy road that leads to perdition, and as we talk about the uh, the sheep's clothing and its warmth, its um, uh, it's it's niceness, if you will. Yeah, oh, John, um, I'm translating can, we, into the human condition here. Translating yes, to the human condition, the comforts of life, right? Yes, that 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 that's it, Mark. And and again, this is what the Lord uses, to, or rather, the the ravenous wool, uh, wolf uses to to destroy us. 
Uh, ravenous, by the way, Mark. This <laughs> the Greek there is yeah, yeah. very strong. It, it's it's to pounce on by surprise, um, and it's to tear away at. Like <laughs> this is not <laughs> some gentle word. No, this is a, a very physical pouncing, tearing away. I mean, all you have to do is is think about the wolf who just had a big slice of steak put in front of him, right? And he has eaten for days. I mean, he's, he's going to pounce on it. What's interesting, too, about the Greek for ravenous is that can, it can also translate as robbery. I, I found that really mm. interesting, Mark, because what's going on there? Well, we belong to Christ, right? If we have been baptized into the mystical body of Christ, we belong to Christ. We are co-heirs to, to, to the body of Christ, members, par- partakers in God's divine nature, right? We have been given this installment of grace. We belong to God. But if we do not make the right choices, what did we talk about in the very beginning? If we do not make, make the right choices, if, if we are not following a moral compass, then we open the door to Satan, the deceiver, the father of all lies. And he can quite literally rob us from God. Hell exists. And yes, despite what people say out there, souls go to hell. Yeah, you know? right. Jesus makes that clear. We see it in private revelation. You know, gosh, St. Teresa of Avila, I was just reading her. She had this vision of, of a priest who was not doing what he should have done. Um, you, you, you can read about it in the interior castle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Satan can, can rob us of what rightly, belongs to, uh, what, what rightly belongs to us, and that's heaven. So anyhow, this language is, is very deliberate that, that we see. And no doubt, Jesus wants us to come to know and appreciate that um, very few enter the narrow gate. Uh, And again, these are very sobering words, but words we must reflect upon if we're going to fulfill, you know, that call that has been given to us. Essentially, the call to give glory to God and ultimately serve our brothers and sisters in Christ. Joe, I think it's worth noting, you mentioned language. You know, as you're breaking open what the word ravenous means, you know, from its Greek roots, that the ravenous means to, to tear apart, but it can also mean in robbery. And we're talking about, of course, the wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, and the image of sheep's clothing, and I really, how you broke that open is how it evangelizes our imagination. Um, it's mm-hmm. so important that conscious formation. That's where that's that's where that it ties into our mm-hmm. conscious formation. Mm-hmm. But as you're talking language, the wolf in sheep's clothing. It's not just the physical attributes. It's not just the appearance per se, which I think is it's one aspect worth recognizing. But as you said, gosh, the evil one is slippery. Okay, I said that earlier, not you, but, <laughs> but in regards yeah. to yeah. how. We don't. We may not always recognize it right away. Well, certainly, it's not just the physical. It's not just appearance, but even in language and in words used. You know, as you're breaking mm-hmm. open what the word ravenous means, it's very similar to the word sarcasm, Joe. You know, sarcasm mm-hmm. means mm-hmm. literally tearing of the flesh. Sarcasm, yeah. and what does it do? But it rather robs the dignity of a person. So it's no surprise in the nature of. You know, when you're with a group of people, if there's someone who is sarcastic or even just a one-on-one, there's often, you might encounter that as well. Is it, is it saying that the person who is sarcastic is an evil person? No, but in its nature, sarcasm uh, 
It can be very slippery, very smooth. People can be very charming and sarcastic. And without really realizing it, you just feel belittled. And I think there's yes. an internal compass within us that recognizes, I don't think I feel very comfortable around that person or around that kind of personality quality. Um, mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. at its root is a similar thing. And it could be indicative of a wolf in sheep's clothing. Um, and it, as we talked about earlier, and won't be probably the last time we say it, it's the great deceiver. You know, what it does is how it, how it is so antithetical to authenticity. You know, as you mentioned earlier, humility. I mean, I loved what you said, how, you know, one of the things the evil one does not have is he does not have bended knee. Wow, what a powerful image that brings. And it's not just, you know, one of the questions you and I are talking about, Joe, is, well, what did that look like then and what does that look like now? And you just, you know, you, you did a little mic drop, at least in our conversation, when you said, well, certainly Jesus encountered it then in one of the examples that was closest because they could be people close to us one of the 12 right we see this to some extent in judas it's like wow yeah. so close so close to jesus who's right the wolf there. then and, and and who who's who's the wolf today yes yeah. yes yeah well and and that's that's a very important important uh, point, Mark, in, in reflecting more specifically into these verses when you talk about who is that wolf. Um, and I think you identify it and how it manifests itself. Um, was Judas sarcastic? Maybe, maybe not. Um, but we know what he did. Um, and certainly there are Judases around us, but it's just not about, you know, someone who betrays us, um, but more specifically about those who betray Jesus, Right. And ultimately, those who um, would suggest that they are followers of Jesus, but in the end, they are not. And I think what's really important, Mark, is, and this gets to the heart of the question in in this text, is, you know, you, you will know a tree by its fruit. Think about Judas. He was with him for a very long time. I mean, I mean think about it. Three years. He was with Jesus. He slept with Jesus. He drank with Jesus, he ate with Jesus, he saw his miracles for three years, and look what he did, right? So something was in his heart. Um, and, and this really is, is an, an important piece for us, Mark, because when you talk about knowing a tree by its fruit, essentially what you're speaking to is the core of our being. And the core of our being is the heart, right? Everything moves to and from the heart. So um, what's inside the heart, And this is a question Jesus himself asks. And in many ways, the question about or the statement knowing a tree by its fruit is is a statement of the heart. Where is your heart? So that's a very important question for us to ask inside of the question that Jesus asks about thorn bushes and thistles really is the question mark. I think what motivates you to do what you do? Why do you wake up in the morning? Where is your heart? What is your desire? What is your purpose? This, this really is what it's is what we're after. So the, the false prophet, the deceiver, uh, the, the the wolf is really Mark about um, the one whose heart is not in the right place. Uh, so it's, this is really important to think about. If I may, Mark, uh, just to make sure that we've touched upon the question. Oh, exactly. exactly. No, absolutely, Joe. And, absolutely. And, and the figs. Um, <laughs> certainly, there's hyperbole here. But what did I already say about images and and most especially natural metaphors? Our Lord wants us to use this organic imagery to get into mind and heart that we might reflect into 
the deeper truths. Yes. And in this case, when you start talking about the narrow path and, and the wide path, um, Jesus talks about what? Figs, thorn bushes, and thistles. You know, thorn bushes and thistles, they, they need uh, no cultivation, right? They, they sprout up as spontaneously on shallow ground without any water or fertilizer. If, if you're from the desert, you know what I'm talking about, right? This is what the ground produces naturally when left to its own devices. It, it is as natural for the ground to produce thorns as it is for the sheep to go astray and the lure of the wide shepherdless path or and what's this is really important mark for human desires to gain strength and triumph right over maybe uh the grace of god so what our lord wants us to see here in this organic metaphor this natural metaphor is that there is something at play here what what comes to us naturally is is not (laughs) the supernatural grace of god right grace builds on nature for sure but Jesus is using this image um, in the form of a question to provoke a kind of juxtaposition between one thing next to another, if you follow. And that's, yes. I, I think that's really important. Well, and the question at hand, for those just tuning in, we're talking Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 20, but in particular, I think it's verse uh, 16. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs? From thistles, and that's the the metaphor uh, we're speaking of right now. Um, and it is so. You know, at first glance, and you you hinted at this. At first glance, it's like, what is he saying? <laughs> Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Um, it, it, Jesus does something similar when he asks the question: Does a father give his son a snake when he asks for a yes. stick? Or a fish when he asks for a stone, or give a stone when he asks for a fish. Uh, he's playing, and I again going back to that that imagery, but the natural imagery too. What is around us, playing within His very creation. Um, so it, 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 but it does cause us to pause. You know, I think one of the things that stood out to me, Joe, as we're digging into this, and again we're coming up on our break soon. Uh, the next break here, it's. The image of, again, playing with the image of, of fruit, you know, you shall know them by their fruits. Mm-hmm. And that goes good or bad. That's, that's, for the, that's seen in, within the positive, but also within the negative. You know, you and I discussed this before, not so much on our program, but just in general conversation. Uh, what stood out to me is you are what you eat. You know, so what, what are we feeding ourselves, right? What are, we, are we feeding ourselves good things? So not just literally, you know, uh, food, but even what are we putting into our minds? What are we allowing to enter in? What are our senses? What are our senses engaging? What are they immersed in? Because we're fed not just through the physical hunger, but we feed the mind, we feed the soul, and our senses are the pathways through the Holy Spirit. And the Lord wants to, to feed us in a variety of ways, especially in the spiritual life. And so what are we feeding ourselves? Are we feeding ourselves things that are good, true, holy, and beautiful? Or are we feeding ourselves a bunch of junk? You know, so again, um, and, and I wouldn't say a different take, but not, not completely, you know, but I think, I think it's worth acknowledging, Joe, because again, some of your insights is in light of that, well, how, what are some of the good things to eat and to just feed ourselves? 
We talked about repentance earlier, uh, confession, the sacraments, the life that the church provides and offers us. Amen. This, Amen. this is what's going to just breathe life. And we do. Then we change. We make that turnaround, that repentance that you talked about earlier. We experience that deeper, ongoing conversion of faith. We, are, we continue to be molded into that conformity with our Lord. Uh, Joe, we've got to take a break here. When we come back, I want to discuss who our saint of the day is. Um, but I also want to come back to one of, the, your, uh, one of your insights in regards to uh, knowing them by their fruits. So stay with us. We'll be back. You've made the right choice to listen to Awaken. Stay with us. There's much more to come after this short break. I know a lot of people that don't make it to Mass on Sundays and have fallen away. And we encourage them and we suggest that they come. And, you know, you got to make a commitment to be there and you're going to be visible. And people are going to notice that you haven't been there in a while and you come back. And it can make you a little uncomfortable. You can listen to Catholic Radio anonymously. And if that's the inspiration that you need to find your faith back, to get back to church, encourage your loved ones, your family members, your friends that have fallen away. Just tune in for a little while. There's a lot of inspiration. There's a lot of different programming. Um, maybe some of the programs don't fit your life right now, but there's definitely one that will. Um, my favorite is the first thing in the morning, you know, the Sunrise Morning Show and uh, Morning Glory. That's my commute. Um, and then the afternoon, I get the, the news from a Catholic perspective from Cresta. You know, those the Catholic answers. I hear a lot of questions that I have and or, or my family members. Real Presence Radio is available on Google Assistant devices, including Google Home, phones, tablets, and smart displays. To start this action, say something like, Okay, Google, talk to Real Presence Radio. It will then ask what station you want to play, to which you can respond, Play Sioux Falls, or Play AM 970, or Play WWEN. From there, you can use words like Play, Pause, and Stop. Listen to RPR anytime, anywhere, on Google Assistant devices. Did you know you can listen to all your favorite local shows like Awaken and Real Presence Live on any podcast platform such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and Amazon Music? Just search for Real Presence Radio on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes in the future. And don't forget to give us a good rating so others can discover the shows. Listen to your favorite RPR shows anytime, anywhere by subscribing on any podcast platform. Just search for Real Presence Radio today. Thanks for starting your day with us. Now, back to more Awaken, right here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Welcome back to Awaken. You're listening to Mark and Dr. Joseph Holcraft. I mentioned earlier, I'm joining us from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, uh, for Awaken this morning. And Joe is joining us from his usual spot in Ohio. Uh, We're talking, you shall know them by their fruits. Uh, Joe, before the break, we're just talking about uh, really, so what do we feed ourselves in the life and the, the life of the church and the sacraments? Um, but can you, please round us out there, ultimately, with putting a close to that question Jesus asked, do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Yeah, we are made to put one next to the other, right? Uh, compare grapes and thorn bushes and, and, and figs and, and thistles. And when we do that, Mark, what we see is what is life-giving versus what is lifeless. 
right? And it's, so it's more than just hyperbole in as much as it is an image, again, that our Lord wants us to think about. Um, when I say uh, thorn bushes and thistles, um, they sprout up spontaneously, and, and this is just what comes from the barren and, and, and the way of the desert. Um, this is what is natural, right? But what is life-giving is, is supernatural. And so what we're made to see then is ultimately what is fruit-bearing are the spiritual fruits of the Holy Spirit, gentleness, kindness, um, mercy. So anyhow, when you talk about the fruits of the Spirit, I think this is also something that um, we are made to think about in, in, in the church father's treat. Uh, so the question itself then becomes a question which we are made to kind of compare and contrast. And then in turn, you know, Mark, as, as you were alluding to, start asking those questions in our own life. You know, what are we taking in um, that might lead to the, the broader and wider way versus how are we disciplining ourselves to go through the narrow gate? To, to discipline oneself is to truly be a disciple. I said in the beginning that Jesus really was urging his disciples to squeeze through the narrow gate. That's hard. <laughs> Jesus yeah. promises eternity on the cross um, for those who follow him, and the cross is difficult. And so while it might not be something we all run to, the reality, this is the end game, and ultimately then what brings us joy. Right? So just a very important truth, I think, to kind of round this up, that when you talk about the question itself, we are made to, to juxtapose, to put one um, one next to the other and see that our, our Lord is, is speaking to something here. Um, and one is life-giving and the other is lifeless. Mm. Well, and Joe, I, I want to start to tie in our saint of the day because a general theme that we've been pulling out this morning, you know, the, the wolf in sheep's clothing and how, you know, the wolf certainly representing the evil one, he's stealthy. As you said earlier, he is of supreme intelligence. Um, but he lacks humility. And the saints give us great insight as to how we can live that humility, what that humility can look like from age to age. And I think that we, we see this in a beautiful way. We talked about him earlier, St. Irenaeus, because um, he's such a defender of the faith. You know, he ran into many sheep's clothing from within, from within the church, let, uh, let alone from outside the church, as far as some of some of the heresies that he faced in the early church. And, you know, we acknowledged, you know, hey, alongside Jesus, you had Judas. And how in, in Jesus even gives a warning, deception is among you, right? And so throughout the church, throughout the ages in history, but even throughout the church, the wolf has been in sheep's clothing from within and without the church, right? And and so certainly St. Irenaeus saw this. So I just want to give a little... Uh, a little bio, you know. What do we know about Saint sure. Irenaeus? It's it's not sure. much. We don't know much. He lived in the, the you know the early church, uh, second century, right around the 120, 140 era is where he when he grew up within the Roman Empire. Uh, Irenaeus eventually became a priest and served in the Church of Lyon, which in the day the region of Gaul. So this is this is modern day France area. During a difficult period in the late one seventies, during the time of state. Persecution again. This is Roman Empire. Um, it's it's early church. Constantine has not come into the scene, so the the Christian church not quite using the word Catholic yet, but the Christian church uh, 
wasn't exactly um, in good with the states, <laughs> so to say, in good with the government yet. Um, Irenaeus, during that time, under state persecution, experiencing doctrinal controversy, he was sent to Rome to to work and write for the Pope, Pope Saint, and let's see if I can say this right, Eleutherius, if I'm saying that right. Um, yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> but, but really what he's combating at that time was one of the heresies known as Montanism. And then when Irenaeus himself is named Bishop of uh, Lyon, uh, he's the second bishop of that area. So we are, we're talking early church. He runs into the heresy of Gnosticism. And so he, he is a great uh, scholar. He's writing. He's uh, defending the faith. He's arguing the faith, arguing in its truest sense of the word, not arguing fighting, but arguing and defending. And so how pertinent, Joe, as we're discussing, you know, recognizing some of the false uh, false prophets of your day or time or the, the wolf in sheep's clothing trying to sneak in through some of these false teachings of who Jesus is. But Irenaeus knew no, we, we must maintain and hold on to who Jesus is. We must defend what this great truth is, this truth who is a man, this way who is a man, you know, the way, the truth, the life, who is a man. You know, and as you're talking, ironically enough, maybe not ironically, you know, one of the things of Gnosticism, as far as a heresy, well, what is it? Uh, one of the most basic definitions is saw the material world as a work of an evil power. Okay, mm-hmm. crediting God only with the creation of a higher and purely spiritual realm. And here we are, mm-hmm. Joe, talking so much with our episode this morning about how God wants to use these images to evangelize the imagination, right? In these very natural yeah. images. And yet for a Gnostic, they're seeing the material world as just a work of evil power, not really acknowledging mm-hmm. that. It's God's creation. God's creation can be involved in his redemptive work. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there, Mark, for sure, when it comes yeah. to St. Irenaeus, and, and you, you you certainly started to unpack it. Um, with respect to Gnosticism itself, and, and I'm glad you brought it up, yeah, it's a word that actually translates as those who know, and there's the sense that it's like this secret knowing, right? So a secret knowledge. Yeah, it, the, the Illuminati, as they say. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing. Yeah, well, here's the thing, Mark. You know, you start getting into the history of our faith and why we talk about certain things the way we do. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, the, the, the occult existed before the time of Christ. But I will tell you that it was the Gnostic that, that really formalized, um, in many respects, the occult within religion in this sense. I mean, you didn't acquire this secret knowledge until you were ritually initiated, right? And this is, you know, a knowledge that doesn't come from without, but something that is given to you through the initiation. Um, So, yes, Gnostic means those who know by way of secret knowledge. And what is the knowing? What is their doctrine? Well, you certainly touched upon a very important point, Material is evil. Um, That is a standard principle to the Gnostic way, which means then what? You talked about, you just said, you know, Christ the man. Well, actually, to the Gnostic, no. (laughs) Christ only appeared to be human. He was an illusion. Uh, The crucifixion quite literally is a crucifixion. It's it's not nonfiction, but fiction. (laughs) So this was in their mind, right? Quite literally in their mind. 
And this is how they interpreted the way, as it was known then, right? Not Christianity, but the way, you know, way capital W, uh, because the way were followers of Christ. So they were interpreting this this way of Christianity, and you didn't have the right interpretation unless you were initiated into their cult. Uh, so matter is all evil. Christ appears to be human. Uh, God then is evil because he created the material universe. Right? You see what happens? You talk about Satan being slippery. Well, yes, there's a slippery slope when you interpret Revelation and Christianity in light of false doctrine, uh, false prophets. It's interesting, you mentioned Montanism, and there's many heresies in the early church. And to, 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 be, um, to be someone who starts a heresy is to simply interpret revelation outside to interpret christ sacred scripture the deposit of faith outside of faith and reason to kind of take it upon yourself what were we just talking about mark but pride to take it upon yourself to interpret christ and followers of the way outside of what god himself has revealed so this is why of course sacred scripture is so important um so essentially mark for the gnostic you are saved by acquiring this secret knowledge, which is, again, imparted to you by way of initiation. And it's interesting. This existed 2,000 years ago. Well, Mark, in many ways, you know, it exists today. You know, there's, there's people who, who say they have this secret knowledge about this or that. What, it is, what is it that they are exactly saying? <laughs> because <laughs> revelation is, is public revelation, right? And no doubt that you know, the, the good Lord imparts you know, secrets of his heart to us and, and what he desires for us. But this is this is not about doctrine and revelation. And so what St. Irenaeus does, most notably in Adversus Seresus, which is arguably, Mark, arguably top five for greatest works in church history. Uh, maybe we're not familiar with this work, but Adversus heresus was the first great apologetic work. It's that's a phrase that simply means against, against heresies. The heres- yeah, 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 against the heresies. And by the way, heresy, heresus, it just translates as opinion, right? So here we are talking about the way uh, and the truth and life of Jesus Christ. You know, truth and truthfulness. Um, the faith isn't a matter of your opinion, right? It's about it's about discovering truth, truth that has been revealed. So what Saint Irenaeus does is. He impacts systematically how to best understand, better understand Christianity in light of some of these teachings. So what does he get into? Well, for starters, the importance of apostolic succession and and revelation to debunk this secret cult kind of thing, right? And of course, then he also treats resurrection of the dead as he as he debunks this, you know, Christ and, and, you know, Christ not being a man and material is evil and so he gives a sound teaching on resurrection. So he, he's going through systematically all of these core teachings of revelation, of, of the early Christian way that come to us from revelation. And as he does, he's defeating these heresies. And this was huge, Mark, because many Christians were leaving the faith and following the Gnostic way or following the Montanist way or following these other early heresies, Arianism being one of them. But St. Irenaeus, he famously says, Mark, I am a follower of Polycarp of Smyrna, who was a great bishop, early bishop, who was a follower of John the Evangelist. So from the very outset, 
he says, hey, <laughs> I am a follower of Polycarp who is a follower of John. What I have to say is very important because I was taught by a prize master. Um, and out from that, he begins to teach and teach well. Incidentally, Mark, Pope Francis has just made him a doctor of the church. <laughs> um, and I think that's number 37, 37th doctor of the church. So what he has to say is very important. And again, adversus racus, um, a great systematic work, I would argue one of the top five works of all time, because not only does it teach us about the core aspects of our faith, but in doing so, he shows us how to better understand what it means to be a real prophet, not a false prophet, but one who is true to the way of Jesus Christ, who is a man of repentance or a disciple of repentance, who 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 shares in God's outgoing love and mercy, who's, who's faithful to revelation and, and the magisterium of the church. These things that prove their fruit, right? Um, this was the way of St. Irenaeus. And as it was the way of St. Irenaeus of Lyon, of France, um, it's, it's, it's a way we should follow, right? A way we should follow because ultimately St. Irenaeus himself was a great follower of Christ. Well, I love the connection that he's making. You know, Joe, we like to say connecting the dots. Well, he himself is connecting the dots to be a follower of Polycarp, who was a follower of John. You know, these are important connecting the dots, and you know them by their fruits, right? You know, the great students would reflect their teacher well, reflect the master. They reflect mm. the master. Amen. Yes. And this is what we see. We see yes. this in Irenaeus, right? Uh, and ultimately, as a student, you used that word earlier, or you you used the word disciple earlier, which, you know, it translates into student, but in the nature of discipline. Yeah. Irenaeus gives us a great example, great, a great witness of by the fruits you know them. Well, we see the fruits of holiness. And this we talked about this earlier, Joe. Uh, he was martyred, right? St. Irenaeus was martyred. <laughs> so another that's, that's, fruit of his holiness. <laughs> ex- exactly, exactly. And, but as in any martyr, it, it wasn't that the, the idea or the fact that they were martyred that they are named a saint, but their life and witness of holiness, um, mm. which I think we just... Because I can, I can get caught up in the stories of these great saints, and I do. I do get caught up in them. You know, sure. like you said, you know, one of the sub-themes of our program this morning is how it evangelizes the imagination. The life of the saints, they do just that. They evangelize our imagination. Um, they, they give us hope. They show us what it can look like, all these things. Um, both Irenaeus, he lived in a tough time, right? Christianity was not accepted. Mm-hmm. You know, and yep. we are continually reminded that Christianity in our modern era is less and less accepted. So we pray for courage, Joe. Uh, we're, we are coming to the end of our program this morning. Joe? Great to be with you, and let's we just as always, with, brother. Uh, we'll conclude. Saint Irenaeus, pray for us. Pray for us. This has been Awaken on the Real Presence Radio Network. Awaken comes to you every second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 7 a.m. Central with Mark and Dr. Joe Hallcraft. Want to listen to the show again? You can find the podcast any time of the day or night on our website at realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or on the Real Presence Radio app in the podcast section. Again, that's realpresenceradio.com slash awaken or in the free Real Presence Radio app. 
Be sure to join us again next time for more Awaken with Mark and Dr. Joe Hulcraft. 